Welcome to You Are Not Broken, the only podcast that combines science, medicine, and psychology to re-educate your brain and help you live your best love life. And I'm your host, board-certified female urologist, Dr. Kasperson. Oh my gosh, today I am so excited to have Monica Tanner on our podcast today. She is a podcaster. She's been podcasting for about two or three years, wife, a mom to four, and an intimacy coach in Idaho. You can find her at on the brighter side of marriage.com where she helps couples strengthen their marriage through intimacy. She also has a Facebook page called On the Brighter Side of Marriage. It's a community for people who want more love, deeper connection, increased fulfillment, steamier passion, heightened pleasure complete intimacy in a supportive, compassionate, and a loving environment. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you on my podcast. I'm so excited to be here. I love what you're doing with your podcast. And so anything I can do to support. Oh my gosh. I think our energy is going to be great and people are really going to enjoy our chit chat about this. So tell me how you got here. What's your backstory? How did you get to this podcast and your website and kind of get, getting into your coaching with, with women? Yeah. So that's really interesting. So I lived like the perfect charmed life until I was about 12 years old and my parents decided to get a divorce and that obviously changed everything for me. And so as a 12 year old, I became obsessed with what makes marriages strong and lasting because I knew that I would, I never wanted to have that happen to me. Right. And so I went to college and I studied sociology and child development with the, with the goal of, of becoming, getting my master's in social work so I could continue to work with families. And what ended up happening is right after I graduated with my bachelor's, I met the man of my dreams and I got married and jumped right into the whole experiential part of being married and having a family. And since I didn't get accepted into the graduate program where he was finishing his undergrad, we decided, we decided to start our family instead. So Four, four children later, my youngest went to school all day and I decided again that I wanted to go back to school to become a marriage and family counselor. So I got accepted into a program. I did three semesters and decided that counseling was not what I wanted to do, that it wasn't that I couldn't reach enough people at once. And so again, I dropped out of the program, which was devastating to me. I got very depressed because I knew I had this message that I wanted to get out into the world, but I had no idea how it was I was supposed to do this until a good friend of mine visit, visited with me one day. And he said, I think that you should start a podcast. And me being completely technically challenged in every way was like, there's no way that's going to happen. And he was like, no, no, I'll send you everything you need. It's really, really simple. He had had a very successful podcast for years. So he sent me an email. It had step-by-step everything that I needed, the equipment and classes and everything that I needed to learn. And so I did it. I started a podcast and through that podcast, I really found my voice and my passion I figured out who I wanted to serve and how I wanted to serve them, which was married couples who struggle. Eventually, I got to the point where I just wanted to help married couples who struggle with connection and intimacy. 
So anyways, through this podcast, I really learned, you know, who I wanted to serve and how I wanted to serve them, which were couples who were struggling with connection and intimacy. So I really poured all my heart, mind and strength into this, this purpose that I felt. And it's so funny because my mom, who's probably my biggest fan loves to remind me that she started when I was so young teaching me about sex and intimacy and the human body. And I'm so grateful today, even though I was so resistant to it back then, that she was so open with me all my entire life about the importance of of sexual intimacy and pleasure. So that's what I do today. That is an amazing story. I really love the start of your story and how you're this young 12-year-old girl seeing something in your life. And I think a lot of people, they get to this point where you can either choose to go down the path that was modeled for you, or you can actively choose to change that path for yourself. And I think a lot of people, they kind of, you know, if they don't have that, they start going down that path and they're like, this is the relationship my parents had. Oh my gosh, how do I, how do I make it different? Yeah, it's amazing how pivotal that is in our lives. And, and really in the trajectory of my life, I knew that I wanted something different than my parents had, but it became my biggest fear also. And so then in my marriage, so this is kind of part of my origin story as well, because, because it was my biggest fear, it was actually playing out in my marriage because I was so afraid of failure. And I was so afraid that I didn't deserve this happiness that I wanted so badly that I began to play out these, the, the struggle and the strife that came from having that be your biggest fear. Right. And so it was through that, that I really started to overcome those fears and create the framework that I now teach, which is the five, my five step framework to complete connection and intimacy. So I think we have to kind of get to that point and play out those fears and those, you know, the, what was modeled for us to really overcome it and become the best version of ourselves. Amazing. Wow. I love your story. That that just has to resonate with so many people. So you say your deepest desire is to strengthen marriages by filling the world with radical intimacy. What is radical intimacy? Yeah, so radical is a word that my mom uses all the time. <laughs> she teaches about radical intimacy as well. She's she's a, ther- a PhD therapist, actually, and, and gets really excited about this idea of radical. So that definitely, definitely came came from her. But radical intimacy is just you know, intimacy that is full out. So I, I more often use complete because it's just something that encompasses everything. But I love the word radical because it just like, like free radicals, they just fill up the space that they're in. Right. And so radical intimacy would just be like intimacy without boundaries. Perfect. Let's break down for people. Cause I think, I think when people use the word intimacy, it's like this nice clean way of not saying sex. Right. Intimacy doesn't always mean traditional penis and vagina sex. Absolutely. Intimacy is all encompassing. In fact, when I first started, I, I wanted to teach people how to have mind blowing sex. And so that was like my, I, I'm just going to teach people to have great sex. And what I started to realize as I was working with these people is you cannot have mind blowing sex without feeling fully connected and attached to your partner. And so that's where intimacy comes in. Intimacy 
scoops up the, the connection and the, the attachment and the loving, the feelings of love. And even though love and desire are different, which I think we will talk about a little bit later in this interview, it, it, it's required for all of it, like to, to have real bonding, connective intercourse, or you must have connection and love and safety and all of those more loving and intimate connecting feelings attached to it. That's what makes mind blowing sex. Amazing. I think, you know, it's challenging because I think a lot of people, they part of what their relationship is, they don't have that desire anymore. They wonder where the desire went because there's this monotony in knowing kind of your day-to-day life and your day-to-day partner. And you kind of flip it on the head because you say it's the knowing and it's the, the secureness with that partner that can actually kind of catapult you into this you know, radical intimacy. Right. Because so the feelings that create love and the feelings that create desire are very, very different, but it's so important to have both because when you feel that secure attachment and love, and then you can start playing with the emotions that create desire, that's when you can start having fun and adventure and kind of this unleashed passion where you're you're not afraid to be vulnerable with, you know, what turns you on and what turns you off and the things that excite you. So that's when you can have this kind of radical and complete intimacy is when you can marry the two feelings that create love and secure attachment, as well as the, the adventure and the uncertainty of desire. Amazing. So, so now let's say that, you know, I'm a woman and I've totally bought into this and I'm like, wow, that sounds like the life that I want to have and the relationship I want to have. What are some tips for bringing it up with one's partner who maybe isn't, you know, clearly starting this journey with you? Again, that's what makes this secure attachment and connection really important because to be able to communicate all of these things, you have to feel secure in your connection with your partner. You have to be able to venture out into this vulnerable sharing of yourself, which is what sex and intimacy it really is. It's to be able to show up like naked, vulnerable, and and hundred percent yourself without worrying about what the reaction from your partner is going to be. And that takes a lot of work. So that's kind of where I come in. Like, you know, it, it sounds like a lot of work, but it really is very simple. And there are some simple strategies, tools, and frameworks that we can put in place to help you go from, you know, kind of this insecure, I'm not sure the reaction I'm going to get. I'm kind of uncomfortable talking about this topic. You know, it's, it's, it wasn't in my culture or it's like feels very scary to me to, to talk about this. I'm not supposed, a lot of women struggle with, I'm not supposed to want pleasure. I'm not supposed to, you know, have these feelings of, of sex and feel comfortable talking about it. Right. And so we've got to break down those barriers and we've got to teach you some, some really good tools that you can use to get to the point where you can just completely feel vulnerable and confident and, and yourself to be able to bring up these topics with your partner and then play them out. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. I think, I think what's so fun about this work that we both do is, is kind of opening people's eyes to what society's put in there. Right. And we're like, who told you, who told you you're not supposed to have pleasure. 
And, and if there was somebody that told you that, like, is that, is it a truth? You know, is that, is that accurate? And kind of really chewing on what society's packed in so you yes. can unpack it and, and live your best life. Yeah. One of my favorite things is just to bust myths because there's myths about relationships and sex all over the place. And so I love busting these myths and then seeing the ensuing breakthroughs that people can make when they realize like, that's just a myth. It's something that was, it's not backed up by any type of research or or anything. It's just something that floats around in society or Hollywood or culture that, that we just take as fact. And we don't stop to think like, is this really, you know, really how it is and it's supposed to be, or is this just a myth I've bought into like my whole life? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So how does one create more fun, flirtiness and pleasure in one's marriage? Do you have any, any tips or tricks or just concept stuff? Yeah. Well, that's so much of a mindset, right? That's just not, that's just understanding that life is far too important to be taken so seriously, right? It's, it's learning to take yourself less seriously. It's learning to just, you know, let go. One of the biggest roadblocks that the women that I work with, their barrier to enjoying a sexual experience is being able to put all of the stuff because our minds are constantly at work. Our jobs are never done. Women have a very hard time compartmentalizing, you know, all of the responsibilities that they that they have and being able to just let go and be present in the moment. And I've heard you talk about this as well. And so if we can just get a woman to like relax and visualize, meditate, understand that enjoying the moment, you have to be able to put all of those things. You have to, you have to let go of perfectionism. You have to let go of that to-do list. You have to just leave well enough alone to be able to fill your cup in a way that makes you better. So a lot of times I just have to like break women of this idea that they shouldn't focus on themselves or they shouldn't, you know, think of, of themselves. And I always tell them, if you, if you, you cannot serve from an empty cup, if you don't have the things that you need, then you're no good to anyone else. And so you're actually doing everybody around you a favor by taking a little bit of time to focus on yourself and your needs. And this is how we get that fun and flirtiness and pleasures that we realize that it's okay for mom to have, you know, have a little bit of fun. It's okay for mom to let go. Mom doesn't have to be in full on mom mode all the time to be effective. Like, in fact, I feel most effective as a mom after a little vacation or after some me time, right? And so if we if we put that into our consciousness and our tool belt and we realize like, I am so much better at what I do when I've taken some time to fill my cup and focus on the things that I need, then we can just have fun. And like, like the only time early in my marriage, the only time I could ever have fun is when I knew that somebody else was taking care of all of my responsibilities. Right. And so we have to be able to day in and day out, kind of put ourselves in that spot where like, we realize that our kids are going to be okay for a little while while we hang out with our husband or go on a date or whatever, right? We have to, we have to acknowledge the fact that they're not going to die and they're going to be better off when we have had a little bit of fun and we're able to let loose. And so, you know, 
we're doing it for them. So you can continue with that mindset idea if you want, but your kids are going to be better off when they see their parents in love and fulfilled and, and pleasure, you know, when they show up after that, then they're, it, it's so much better for the just culture and environment of your family as a whole. Totally. I love that. I think, you know, one of the, again, talking about myths that you were talking about is this, you know, women will come and they'll be like, I need desire. I've lost my desire. Like, it's this like, you know, button that goes on your pants that if you just found it, <laughs> you know, it's like this lost desire. It's like, it's not, it's, it's part of this complex kind of worldview of being able to live in the now and to be able to get into your body. And can you talk about that and specifically then on the desire part about reactive desire versus spontaneous desire? Yeah. So that's something that I've only heard you, you, and then my, my partner that I work with a lot of times, sex therapist, Cammy Hurst talk about it's, it's like very little known about the difference between responsive and spontaneous desire types. But so I'll, I'll speak in like broad generalization. So, you know, typically men have a more spontaneous desire type and women are a little bit more reactive, right? But if you're, if you fall in the opposite category, that's totally fine as well. But a spontaneous desire type is like, you know, the microwave, like it takes no time to warm them up. They're just ready at all times and willing like, like this, right? Can you imagine if everybody in the world was walking around with a spontaneous desire type? I mean, we'd all be reproducing like rabbits and nothing would ever get done. (laughs) So I think that by divine design, many of us are also responsive desire type, which is more like a crock pot. Like it takes time to cultivate the feelings and emotions and, and, and everything that goes into feeling ready to cook. Right. And so, but can you imagine if all of us were walking around with a responsive desire type, like the population would cease to exist. Like there Nobody would ever do it, right? And so you need aspects of both. And when you start to understand that neither one is better than the other, that they're both equally important, we need spontaneous and we need responsive to balance things out. And when you work in conjunction with each other, then you, you just, you have this beautiful synchrony of, you know, getting it done, you know, doing the deed, like understanding that both are equally as important and, and work as a team to make, you know, sexual fulfillment, a very important part of, of a connected, committed relationship. I love it. Absolutely. I I think, you know, the name for my podcast came from people learning about responsive desire and learning that that's normal and then realizing that they weren't broken. And to be like, no, you're actually the majority. Like, welcome to the majority. <laughs> yeah, and it's important, right? It's important for that balance to have both desire types. And I can see, I can see how both types would feel broken at times, right? When when a responsive desire type is like, why are you always turned on, right? And the in the spontaneous can't figure out why the responsive is never turned on, right? And so when you realize that both are so important to create this balance and this harmony that now you're cooking, right? Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody and all those things are welcome, right? And and not trying to fix one of them. Of like, right. oh, that's just welcome to the stew. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I love that analogy. Like it makes the food taste good, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I think a lot of people in their in their relationships and their marriages, they just get bored. And I think they get kind of stuck in this boredom. And can you talk about boredom in a marriage and kind of what that does to intimacy and kind of tips and tricks if you find yourself in a bored marriage? Yeah, definitely. So I think boredom is the idea of doing the same thing over and over and over again with the same person over and over and over again. And that kind of plays into this idea of, okay, so boredom kind of plays into this idea of predictability and security and stability and knowing what's going to happen and like the feeling of belonging and, and knowing. So, so this is like, I think those couples who like ignore the fact that, that, something might happen. They could lose their partner or their partner could choose somebody else or whatever. And so they feel really kind of content in this marriage. Like they don't have to work at it or they don't have to, you know, bring anything in. It's this feeling of of secure attachment, which is very, very important for a fulfilling and pleasurable sex life. Flip side, you have desire, which is created by almost the exact opposite of this love and security and, and, and boredom idea, right? So desire is kind of more adventurous. It's the feeling of wanting. It's the idea of knowing that anything could happen and that tomorrow, you know, my partner could leave or something could happen to them, right? And so that more adventurous idea, when you feel the secure attachment that love gives you, you can be more adventurous. You can feel safe in exploring different ideas of what sex means and how to play it out in your relationship, right? And so once you feel that secure attachment and you, you feel comfortable with each other and you know you can, you can have this fierce and, and fiery relationship and experiment with adventure and unknowing and mystery and like keeping secrets. So like the idea for kind of starting this desire is, is flirting, is teasing, is, you know, kind of like starting a sexual experience long, long, long before you're in the bedroom, right? It's like sending little text messages or maybe like a peekaboo picture to your to your spouse but that's where that that love and secure attachment comes in because like if I don't feel safe with you I'm not going to send you a picture of my my boobs right in the middle of the day right but because you feel that love and attachment and you know that you're safe with your partner then you can do things that that scare you a little bit like you know sending a really steamy you know, picture or text or something. And so when you start to, when you start to feel comfortable and confident with your partner, then you have room to play and, and do these fun, flirty kind of desire building activities that just make the sexual experience that much greater. I love that. And I think, you know, I'm just thinking about my listeners and then being like, my husband is not going to go for this. Can you talk about in your experience working with women and couples, like does the guy usually need a little bit of nudging or is he like game on? What's this new great life? Like what's your, what's the, give me a, an overgeneralization for the guys and kind of where you see them. Are they super excited about this? Are they like apprehensive? And then they're like game on, like how does, how does the guy go along with maybe a woman's idea of how she wants to improve her relationship? 
Well, I've never met a guy who would be sad getting a picture of his wife's body parts in the middle of the day, right? I mean, I think any guy's going to be excited about that. <laughs> so maybe I misunderstood the question. Like guys are usually all for this. Right? No, I, I think so too. And I think, uh, you know, what guy for overgeneralization doesn't want to just have more sex or more interesting sex or different right. sex, you know, like right. all of that. But I think a, a lot of women's fear is like, oh, what if my partner rejects this new me? What if my mm. partner, I think, you know, with that fear of rejection, like I'm going to do something that we haven't been doing for maybe years. And that kind of fear of presenting that new change to somebody. Again, I think communication is going to be really important here. I think it's going to be a matter of, a, of the wife, if that's who's initiating this, being like, hey, I'm feeling like maybe we've kind of hit a rut or, you know, I'm getting a little bit bored with this. Like, what are some ways that we could spice this up and involve them in the change? I mean, you don't want to smack them in the face with it. Like, guess what? I'm a new version of myself and you just get to deal with it, right? It's kind of like a, what can we do together to kind of spice things up and enrich our relationship and, and, and make our, you know, sexual encounters more exciting, right? And let, let them participate. And that way you could get a little bit of a feel for like what's comfortable and what's not comfortable. And like, you know, maybe tease it out a little bit. Like what would you do if you like got a picture of me naked, you know, while you were at work, like, you know, and, and just kind of like tease it out and like talk about it and, and let both of you be involved in this new kind of adventure or journey together. I love it. Tell me in, in you talking with women, you talk about your three secrets to increased intimacy. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So we've, we've touched on these a little bit. So, so the three secrets to building desire are first understanding the difference between love and desire and the emotions that create those two sensations. So love, like I said, is characterized by having and by comfort and predictability and security, which are all very, very important. But, you know, if you walk in after a long day at work and, and, and you see your spouse has like in a mess and covered with children and vomit and, you know, their hair not done. And, you know, that doesn't really like scream, like take me to the bedroom desire, right? It's, it's familiarity and it's important, but desire is more characterized by wanting, by adventure, by mystery, by, by, you know, this fleeting thing, right? And so you can work together to create some of those desires, but I think what, what happens is couples think, you know, we're, we're getting, we're bored. There's no desire, like, like what's happening. And so they go to, you know, maybe a therapist or something who says, let's work on your love. Like you just need to love each other more. And then they get really frustrated because they're like, we love each other. We're committed. You know, we feel very safe, but, but they're not working on the, the emotions that create desire. And so it's important to understand that difference between love and desire. So once we understand the difference and we feel love and connected to another human, then we can start working on those things that create desire, which are that fun, flirty, teasing kind of aspects of things, right? So the difference between love and desire is the first secret. The second secret is that spontaneous versus responsive desire type and how they work together and play together. So if you're like, you know, frustrated with your spouse for being the opposite desire type, 
and that's like something that's keeping you stuck. It's hard to move forward and enjoy, you know, those have desire, right? But if you realize the 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 beautiful, you know, magic of spontaneous and responsive together, it can kind of build that desire like, ooh, like it's really easy to turn my spouse on or ooh, I have to work hard all day long to kind of get this going, right? And you start to appreciate the other's desire type that really brings a lot of desire into the relationship. And then the third secret is just to understand that you really truly cannot afford not have a healthy thriving sex life. I mean, the benefits of having a healthy sex life are just beyond like what we could even talk about in an hour together. Right. I mean, there's the physical benefits, the emotional benefits, the mental benefits, the, the just purely like opening up of yourself, the confidence that that comes when you feel truly desired and appreciated and cherished by another human being is just is so much. I mean, here's an example. So after my children are born, I typically have a period of extreme postpartum anxiety. And so I remember after my third child was born, going to the doctor and being like, hey, listen, I'm having this anxiety attack thing again, and I don't want to take any medication. Is there something that I can do without medicating to take care of this? And my doctor looked at me straight in the face and said, you need to be having more sex. Because when you have sex, it it opens up, you get dopamine, you get endorphins, you get all of the flood of good chemicals in your brain that helps you feel good. And that's what it, that's what it was designed to do, right? <laughs> yes, it was a smart doctor. But when we really buy into that, we understand all of the healthy benefits of a good thriving sex life, then it makes us desire it, right? Because who doesn't want to be healthy physically, mentally, and emotionally? Totally. And spiritually even. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, Monica, this has been so fun. Can you tell us again where where people can find you? Absolutely. So you can find most all of my marriage resources at www.onthebrightersideofmarriage.com. And there's tons of free resources, including my podcast, like lots of downloads and little challenges that you can take for free. And then there are my paid coaching programs, which are so much fun. And in those coaching programs, you're not only going to get, you know, the framework to, to achieving complete connection and intimacy, but you're going to get support and accountability and all of those things that, that help people be really successful in reaching the results that they're seeking. Amazing. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for meeting with me today. This is really great. Yeah, I've totally enjoyed it.